Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly and I'm here with my partner in crime and consciousness, Reverend Ogan. And With Love and Justice for All is where our podcast where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, um, isms galore, and oftentimes the special challenges that arise for spiritual seekers, for spiritual communities. Um, So you are welcome to join us live uh, right now. If you're listening, you can call in to 816-251-3555, or you can message us. Um, on Facebook or Instagram at Get Our Holy On. Um, and if you're listening to, and you could, we're also streaming live to our Facebook page. So some people might be listening live right now and it will stay there because it's, you know, recorded. So it will live there. Um, how are you doing, Olgan? Uh, I'm doing all right. Sorry, I, I got a little bit distracted. I was sharing the, sharing the Facebook live link uh, to my page. But uh- yes, um, one of the things we, we have to mention, I don't remember, you may have mentioned this, and I don't know because I admittedly was not paying attention. Did you mention all the other podcast platforms that people can listen to us? I did not. I did okay. not. I was, I'm still in the, you know, the confirmation hearings that are going on, and, and yes. there's a piece of my brain still in the ARG mode. That, that's all right. That's all right. So, yes, um, depending on how you're listening to us now, you might be on Facebook. You might be listening to us on uh, the Uni Online Radio page. And please know you can listen to us um, on varying podcast platforms like, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts. Uh, if you know what to do with an RSS uh, feed link, you can grab that uh, from the show page and um, put it in your own player. Uh, one of the things we do want to share with you uh, up at the top is that in a few weeks, um, and you, if you are a frequent listener or have contributed to Unity Online Radio, you have gotten this in your email. But in a few weeks, uh, Unity Online Radio is going to be closing operations, and we're we are very sad about that. Uh, Unity uh, Online Radio has been. Uh, sending spiritual programming out into the interwebs for the last 15 years. Uh, yeah. I believe this is my third show. Me too. <laughs> on, on Uni Online Radio. So, it's so my so, third show. Yeah. And we you, were there at the beginning. You, you, and I, you and I have been doing this on Uni Online Radio for a minute. Um, but this does not mean this uh, podcast, this show is coming to an end. We're going to shift over to another platform. Uh, so that you will be able to continue to listen to us. Um, And our goal is to do that seamlessly so you don't have a break. Um, We may even keep this time of doing it live. I don't know. I don't know. But the but the 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 one upside. So so the upside of doing it on Uni Online Radio is that uh, we show up, we say our piece and a great team of amazing producers and stuff do the behind the scenes work got to shout out our man jeff who's been also doing this since about day one uh so so yeah he's he's been invaluable and um just absolute consummate professional um also wicked sense of humor which many of you don't get to hear about but we 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 hear about it (laughs) we do uh so 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 the trade-off is that now we're going to be doing that uh and but the one of the other trade-offs is that we're not bound by a certain time slot um and a clock which could be a good thing (laughs) nothing like giving not like giving two ministers microphones right (laughs) right (laughs) The, the podcast episodes might get a lot longer yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our best. We're gonna do our best. We know attention spans don't aren't what they used to be. So we're gonna do our best to try and keep it keep it uh, the same time. But don't worry, we're not going. We're not going anywhere. Um, right. We really we really love doing this. And based on a lot of the feedback uh, folks have given us uh, as well, um, we know that we we got a growing audience and and people love that we are um, being being brave to say these things um, and and speak to both ourselves but 
also to uh, many of you folks who are primarily might be in spiritual communities um, where this is sort of a topic that's generally not been a comfortable place for people to talk uh, about or comfortable topic. So, and today is one of those, yeah, uh, one of those uh, topics that I'm sure will trigger if you're listening might be a little more activating. Um, it might be trigger warning. So yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I, tr- I try not to actually use the word trigger. Um, that just, yeah. So stimulating. Uh, what word? What word? I use it? activated. Activated. That's right. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know. I, I could be overthinking it. I just one time I when I did use the word trigger, a person of color said suggested maybe I not use it, but I've I've only ever been told that once, and I thought, well, I can. Yeah, I can change it. I don't listen. I'm a I'm a fan of calling it what it is, right? So especially mm-hmm. like in a lot of places, rather than use the word die, we like transition. Right. We you know, uh what what's that what's another good euphemism? Oh, we got our angel wings. Angel right, like that. I'm like, you know, let's I'm, I'm a fan of just calling it what it is. I know person, person died. Right. And that's a little for me, yes. And I triggered I don't know. Um, is a trigger in of itself, apparently. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I and yeah. So activated, triggered, yes. annoyed, frustrated, pissed, angry, defensive, resentful. Fill in the blank. Yes, all all the things I felt as I was listening to the uh, um, Judge Brown, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson's uh, uh, hearings, especially yeah. right when we were coming on air and. And um, uh, Senator Ted Cruz was sharing his thoughts. Um, all all those words applied separately. I thought it was interesting that our title is slightly more savvy racism because yes, he's not slightly, and he's not savvy. He's just flat out racist. So 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 yes. So let's let's get in the content for today. When we say slightly more savvy racism, like it for. for when I when I hear that, what immediately comes to mind is, are are you saying racism is intelligent and growing in intelligence? What, what do you mean by this? Um, actually, that that is an element of it, and um, I think that a, a larger piece is that you've heard me refer to racism as a as a um, you know, a virus that uh, mutates. It's a, you know, white privilege is a philosophy that's always mutating and it it always, you know, finding, um, um, ever subtle, insidious, evil, creative ways to express. Mm -hmm. So that being more savvy is, is kind of that, that we, um, uh and savvy in terms of as white bodies uncovering you know more and more ways of what we may think or say or do is could be you know is racist um and because of the nature of of it mutating like a virus more just more i don't even know if subtle is the right word but just more insidious and more there's always these layers of unconscious things and and more and more pitfalls that that you're like oh there's still more another layer underneath this pitfall and yeah. it's not the basement there's a trap door in the basement that goes to another sub tunnel to and another trap door under that um so it's it's and savvy because because it is subtle and savvy because um when we are you know we might be in in the work, you know, anti-racist work and, um, you know, doing workshops, trainings, learning, um, we, we can actually wind up reproducing racial inequality. Um, and so that's kind of the savvy, not really in a, it's not meant to be savvy, like really in a positive way. Like sometimes it's used, it's savvy because it's, because it is insidious and, and like you, you know, I can step back from a good, oh, yeah, look at that there. Um, right. Crap, you know. Um, so so a, a, a good, I think, and maybe, you know, l- let me know if I'm, if I'm off track here, but 
when you, when you speak about that, what comes to mind is, you know, what's been in the headlines a lot for the last few months, critical race theory, right? Which we know now, at least some of us who, you know, took a few minutes to Google it, know that it's a, it, it's a, it's a legal, it's a legal theory about how uh, racism has um, uh, or is inextricably inextricably linked to a lot of the you know the the laws the the, the processes that in which um, we operate as as a nation. So, and this this sat there as a legal theory for decades before some you know. Right, I'm trying to find nice words to say on air. Right wing uh, 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 pundit or <laughs> troublemaker uh, decided to, to 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 dig this up and use this as you know like a boogeyman, and now everything's about that, and 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 now it it's 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 come to uh, it it has been defined by the opponents of it by the opponents of it. So 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 those who we would definitely not deem as anti-racist defined it as um, uh, an effort to create white backlash or, or maintain or call for white, white racism, white reversible racism, as if that's actually a thing. Um, and it's being taught in schools and we have to be alert against it. And then, oh, while we're at it, we'll also pass some laws that says we can't do any, we can't, we can't teach or teach, teach anything at school or say anything at work that makes anyone feel uncomfortable, um, in regards to race, which is fascinating because what I want to go is, well, where were those laws when, you know, certain people of a certain skin color were, clearly being disenfranchised in their workplace and in their schools but that's a whole other story for another time so 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 one so so when you say more savvy racism are we are we talking about things like this where 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 things are being rebranded uh things are being re repurposed if you will and and used now again to to maintain things like white comfort and 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 uh, ahead of time criticize anyone who would speak to injustices so so would that be a, an example it would be an example uh and it's it's thinking about the word savvy you know maybe a synonym would be shrewd shrewd okay yeah, being shrewd because critical race theory, you know, it's an academic framework. It's, right. it, you know, as you said, it 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 it's this framework that shows um, uh, recognizes racism. You know it, that that is our country. It's what we were built on, um, and and by being co opted and. Um, and then turned into shrewdly, uh, turned into this catch-all phrase to, um, and, and really twisted inside out and backwards as though it's, it's as though we're, you're teaching um, racism, uh, you know, as, or reverse, right? That it's really about, you know, teaching what doesn't even exist. Um, and so what's shrewd about it is, that um, here's here's why here's why what makes it so dangerous is that in the brain whatever you have a um, a leaning towards when someone gives you new quote unquote information you're less like like you you and I say well go Google it right if you just Google it and you go back to the original you know the the academics and the the lawyers the professionals who decades ago put this together, um, it's not hard to see what it is, but when the brain is already wired towards a particular, you know, issue or a particular bent, then introducing something, even if it's false, the brain goes, see, it, it just takes it and goes with it. So it's, it is definitely savvy. 
um, um, using it. Um, they, uh, it's been used to, um, to actually ban teaching American history, um, which makes it very shrewd. So, and it's also been used as the uh, as as the premise for for uh, banned books. Yes. Like like I, I would never have thought here we are in twenty twenty two and we're back to book banning, which is like fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's you know there's more than twenty five states that have introduced legislation to restrict or ban students on yeah. what teachers can teach about our history. Yes. Uh, and, and, and teachers are, teachers are very scared. And again, this isn't just applied to uh, racism, you know, right. it's, it, you know, we, we, we've got the uh, anti LGBTQ bills going on in uh, both Texas and, and, and Florida um, as, as well. And, and we've spoken about that before, but you said something interesting. You said something interesting a, a few minutes ago, which uh, you, you talked about sometimes the harm that things like like you know uh, DEI programs, diversity, equity, inclusion programs, um, yeah. anti-racism book studies, of which we do both, <laughs> uh, can can potentially uh, cause more harm. So let's talk about how 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 are those two things related? How is because you know somebody listening to this will go, but wait, I thought DEI programs were were created to to get rid of the racism um, or, or the isms in, in any, in any organization or, or community. Um, but now you're here saying it might be actually perpetuating more harm. So let's, let's dig into that. And does that mean we need to change our programming? Um, no, cause ours is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so she says, with, she says with all the humility in the world, she's right. not wrong. Totally, though. She's, totally she's not wrong. wrong. Right. <laughs> So, so for starters, it's not an either or. It's right. you know, always both and. There's, there's, there is often great value in DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion um, initiatives, programs, classes, however, whatever word noun you want to put on after it. Where the so it's not about not doing that. It's Generally, if you go, if you go do the re again, Dr. Google, if you go do the research, right, and really, and even start, even look at the organizations you're involved with, um, the, what's, what's very often, and this is what, what another, the savvy part, the shrewd and largely unconscious um, thing about DEI programs is that, yes, there's education. Yes, I can, I learn a lot. Um, about microaggressions and macroaggressions and unconscious bias and what anti-racism means. I learn a lot of vocabulary. I learn a lot of, I can learn the history, more of American history. Like I can learn about racism. Like I learn about all these things. And so I, I can get some knowledge. The The challenge is, is that not, is that culture doesn't shift. You know, there's this, what's what's really interesting about it when you say diversity, equity, and inclusion is there are diversity outcomes and there are inclusion outcomes. And they're, they're actually two different things. Um, the, the, um, the history of DEI programs actually started back in the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. And maybe you'll get to this, but speak yeah. to the difference. Because I think people use those terms diversity... They do. And inclusion interchangeably, and 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 let me take a stab at it, and 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 I know, and I'll I'll acknowledge that that you've done a lot more training and teaching about this than 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 I have. So I'm going to take a stab at it. Um, as I often say, you are the brains of the operation. I'm I'm, no. I'm just I'm just here for the I'm just no. here for the looks and humor. Um. So 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 diversity is this idea of all are welcome. And we want we want a, a community, a group, an organization that has various people, people from various backgrounds, various abilities, um, so that we have multiple points of view. However, inclusion is we will make sure that anyone from all of those various backgrounds has a seat at the table in terms of making the decisions of a voice of a voice of power. 
because if if you just say anybody can show up here but you don't give anybody the chance to to be in leadership or make decisions around your organization then no everyone really isn't welcome yeah how do i do pretty good pretty okay. good um yes it is it is um that and uh and expanding on that you're also talking about in, with diversity outcomes or goals is there's a numerical thing that's kind of attached to that as well so you're talking about you know hiring or for schools you know admitting students um you know looking at organizations and who's on the board it's there's there's unfortunately and this has just been the stepping stone in the history of of dei programs is what do we look like from the outside you know, how, how does it look in terms of, you know, skin color and, and age and gender identity, you know, as much as you can tell by looking at someone. Um, so uh, there's, so there's that piece of it that, and then the, in, and the inclusion. Um, and so, yes, so some of it is the seat at the table, um, but the inclusion side is, is about culture, uh, is, does everyone have a sense of equal power? Um, and that's where, for me, when I look at organizations that I'm connected with and I, I, you know, on the inside of, that's where I don't see a lot of that change because it requires its self-awareness work. So it's both, both, both at the individual level and and the the community level which yeah. which speaks to that culture point you just made right cuz culture is culture is how we as a group show up yes. how we be um what what are our defining characteristics um and 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 it requires it requires both because even if a even if an organization says this is who we are and and uh we going to we going to have processes or rules or whatever to reflect that if the individuals within the organization don't personally agree with that feel that way then then harm will be perpetuated within the organization right for instance the um you know like diversity could you know you look at it and you know having more women in top level executive positions right having more black women in you know top level executive positions and and putting the onus so that's kind of a diversity thing um and and what does it look like and and that's not it's not you know there's more it's not that simple black and white and right. The inclusion piece, though, is shifting culture so that that woman, that black woman is not, you know, often what happens is, is then you train the women how to, how do you, you know, how do you speak up better in board meetings? Um, you know, like, like putting the labor on the woman to be, right. you know, to, to be, to have that sense of, you know, quote unquote equality rather than change the system the culture so that that's not the labor is not on the targeted group right um, another example is uh how many you know I, and i don't know what the answer to this is it's just one of these subtle subtle shrewd savvy things is that that an organization you know they're they've changed their hiring practices and application process and do a lot of things and that's all great you know like taking the name you know, because there's so much bias, unconscious bias, when you look at someone's name, assuming what that means or where they're from um, and what color their skin is and what, you know, all of the, the assumptions. So that, that's a great step. And then, and everybody gets a drug test, right? Because we want the piece that's connected to that, though, is that um, people of color that test positive have a far greater punishment, like they're, it's unequal punishment. Yeah, goes to a white body. So, so it's built in. Um, that's what makes it so insidious and savvy, for lack of a better word, and and more shrewd. So, in trying to to have some equity, right, and treat everyone the same, but yet you have to look out beyond. Like, what are the outcomes, and what are the the consequences, and what are the what's the impact, right? Right. So, I mean, that's just one of of many. And, and I don't think, um, 
there's there's a lot of uh, the follow up that doesn't happen. So we teach all about this and every six months we have another workshop and people come and they learn more about, you know, microaggressions and, um, and they learn more about, you know, whenever someone gets upset, we have another, you know, series of yeah, workshops yeah. or classes, but it's the follow-up piece um, to actually change that, that self-awareness piece for the individual and collectively. So how many, how many people at your organization are, are really speaking up when they see something being said or done? Like, is that being measured? Right. Uh, right. And, 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 you know, I've heard of many organizations where after so much training, nobody says anything to anybody else period because now their takeaway was was a fear of if i say anything that could be offensive that i didn't know before was offensive but now i know it's offensive so therefore i'm not going to say anything at all which is and- a perfect segue for when we come back the nothing to add thing how savvy that the silence there you go there you go all right so We'll be right back to pick up this discussion you were listening to with love and justice for all. You're listening to with love and justice for all with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're in the middle of episode 23, slightly more savvy racism. And when we went to break, uh, we we were talking about uh, um, DEI programs um, that um, if you're listening and you you work in an organization, I'm sure in the last two years, you might've had one or two, or 22. Um, and, and, and we're about to launch into the discussion of how often they may uh, not, not have the intended outcome that, that they are seeking the programs or the organizations. So one of the things I mentioned as we were going to break was that, that, that I've heard from people who've worked in organizations who've done these programs where by the emphasis has been on identifying things like, you know, microaggressions, which is, which is a good thing, right? Because people sometimes don't know the harm that they are perpetuating. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and to be more specific, people who are closer to the center of power, if you think of social location, don't often know the unconscious harm they're perpetuating the people further out on the margins. Um, so, but then what happens is that then people become so afraid of potentially causing harm that they just clam up and nobody says anything to anybody. And, and it becomes now a very tense uh, sort of work environment, everybody walking on eggshells and people become more disconnected, which is not what the intention was. So, uh, so you said this is one of the ways. This is an example of slightly more savvy racism, which is which is really true. Because when you think about it, isn't that the intention of racism to separate us? Yes, yeah. and to be silent. And uh, to be silent. Yeah. Um. And this is probably one of the one of the the biggest outcomes in terms of harm to you know all of the all of the education around you know DEI and please again it's not about not doing that they're all there's there's good in there and keep moving <laughs> you know like time to move beyond um in fact there uh see now I'm going down another rabbit hole so let me come back to the silent thing yeah um it's called white silence um and and basically what it is is it's not just we're used to hearing, you know, about white silence, that if you're just silent, you're complicit, um, like generally speaking, you know, if you see a post or you're in a conversation or, you know, the family member, people are just quiet. Well, you know, that's just Uncle Bill. And um, no. And that's generally how we've thought about the silence. And what you're talking about is like a, a, a more shrewd, the more savvy silence which is um, um, by, you know, 
as you said, after these trainings and kind of things and people get uncomfortable, then, then, you know, white bodies go quiet and, and black bodies go quiet. And, and one impact of that is that no one's contributing their perspective. So you are guaranteeing that no one's perspective is being expanded. Um, you can't, um, you know, by listening to other lived experiences, um, you know, it expands our own learning. It, it's not necessarily comfortable, which it's not supposed to be, first of all, right. you know, <laughs> building an anti-racist culture is supposed to be messy and uncomfortable and, you know, wailing and gnashing of the teeth. That's how it works when you are really dismantling these tentacles and this virus. But the silent um, um, and, and, you know, afterwards, so, you know, listening, just listening alone, everyone then wonders, you know, who's carrying this discussion? Where is this going? Um, and everyone chooses this mode of no discussion and therefore no learning. Um, you can't, if there's no conversation, if it's just silent, there's no possible learning. Um, um, and uh, everyone loses, basically. Right. So what happens is, is when as whites, you know, it, what you wind up doing is protecting the whiteness um, because white dominance um, depends on that, depends on the silence. Um, and when there's a difficult conversation and we know how difficult these conversations are and, and yeah. um, we, we do. And um, so, the, but the, so the silence as white silence serves to empower the resistant participants because their white counterparts are not speaking up. So a white person sits there and goes, well, there's no one challenging. And so they must, must be so, you know, they must be, you know, um, and then, uh, and so it just perpetuates it. It's rather than asking difficult questions, rather than as a facilitator, kind of instigating, you know, the difficult questions, um, getting the uh, resistant participants to engage. And, um, you know, there's no, there's no social penalty for not engaging, which then, you know, of course, well, they'll be uncomfortable. Yes, that's the whole point. Um, we, we, you know, of course, we're allergic to social penalties. I don't, and I don't mean, I don't want to sit there and shame and blame people. Right. And being socially uncomfortable helps to, to wake us up, helps yeah, to. It's not, a, it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. Um, not, not a bad thing. Um, it gives etern internal awareness. And yes. then the flip side for people of color, um, you know, that uh, if white silence follows the story shared by a person of color about the impact of racism on their lives, then the silence serves to invalidate their story. Yeah. Which just, and it's just this, yeah, so. So. I'm and, out of again. Well, I mean, it yeah. is a podcast. What is a podcast other 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 That's than, true. That's true. Other other than a, a tailor made soapbox. Um, yeah. So then the other thing that also happens, however, is that you know many of these DA trainings that that organizations take on are very performative, mm -hmm. right? So it's 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 the trendy thing to do because it's what's what's up in the culture. It's what's up in the world. Um, so we'll, we'll do, we'll do some trainings, but, um, and then there's often the thought, especially among white bodies, we've, we've done a training, we're good. Like we, we've talked about this. We bought in some experts. They've told us, they've told us what to do. Therefore we no longer have this problem. Therefore we are now an anti-racist organization. Therefore now we are, we are, we are diverse we are we've established equity and now we're inclusive so so there's there's that um there's 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 that temptation to go like not a problem anymore yeah and and not again inviting people to do the individual work and this is often where now we have people of color being silent what do you mean what do you mean we've done the work <laughs> 
you know, and, and, and then there's like this, you know, nothing's, nothing's changed. So, 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 so that could, that, that's a, that's a, sorry, you were going to say. Just that. And when, when white silence follows the the white anti-racist stand, like someone's mm-hmm. brave enough to, to, you know, to question their, their, their white colleague about something they said or did. And I don't mean question like gang up on, but true inquiry and curiosity when white silence follows that challenge, um, it just isolates the white person who took the stand, which is the social penalty. And why would I keep doing that? Yeah. So what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Know. Well, it's um, well, one thing is um, if you just if you're noticing in whatever context you're in school work your spiritual community these are one you need to be having these difficult conversations two when you notice that silence say something and and it could you just offer validation like if it's a if you're hearing a lived experience from a person of color who is taking the social risk of revealing the impact of racism in a group of of you know um, white people and people of color, then as a white body, just offer validation, share how, you know, as you listen to their story, you were impacted yeah. or share the insight that you gained. Um, I mean, that's a, that's for me, a very simple thing. And, um, and, and part of it is also um, for, for there not to be penalizations, conscious or unconscious for people of color for speaking up right right um during these trainings or 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 um when when other employees have said things um uh, that that uh and and i i think often because there's there's a reluctance to um make the white bodies and comfortable people of color don't often speak up to like HR or to their superiors um, right. because um, then what's going to be done about it. Right. So there's, so there's, there's that as well. And also to white bodies, feedback from people of color isn't an attack. It's not, it's not personal on you um because again there's that fear of if i say something i will be judged for fill in the blank so therefore i won't say anything back to that silence piece and how else will there be that true not just learning but that true opportunity to investigate those unconscious biases that we hold if we don't say the things that those that 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 folks in the marginalized groups and communities will give us the feedback to go like hey no that's that's not okay you know the 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 best recourse for me for example addressing my internalized sexism is to be in conversation with strong feminist women like like yourself and others Right, because y'all y'all don't hesitate to let me know what's what. <laughs> when, when I'm gonna I say, be scared of a Jesus out of me. When, when I say some stuff that I shouldn't be saying, right? Uh, and 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 am I humble enough to hear like, oh, oh, like yeah, I didn't even I didn't even realize that what I just said was an un, was an unconscious reflection of an internalized bias that that I that I have, and and then that's that's how the shifts happen that's then how i become more conscious around what i'm gonna say but i don't respond by not having women in my life or not talking to women at all or showing up in the space with women and not interacting now stepping back yes because we live in a patriarchal world but but not taking it to the point where i don't say anything or don't interact in the first place which is which is a really good so here's another another kind of you know that slightly more savvy racism is using it what's called individual ideology you know so when when i if i if i use my you know personality well i tend to not speak much in crowds in groups of people mm-hmm. like to use that as a reason to be silent yeah no right um kind of you know 
it, it's that it that may be a true thing and you need to be not silent <laughs> you know yeah. and um but that get, that happens a lot too and that's that's um it again it's not about not being who you are it's the self-awareness piece and that's the piece that so when we come back to those inclusion goals the inclusion outcomes it's the self-awareness it's this is a long term thing and you can do as many trainings as you want but unless people themselves are engaging with each other you know having difficult conversations you know personal self-awareness calling each other in yeah uh, it's it's just performative and and so so great a great a great uh, place to do that is in affinity group discussions and 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 we have those we we facilitate those you don't have to come to ours um, i'm not trying to shamelessly plug ours but but um in the in the months that we've been we've been hosting these affinity groups we've we've seen um especially uncomfortable white bodies showing up and over time becoming more more comfortable in realizing these unconscious things the unconscious white supremacy norms that that they've internalized um and 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 they're beginning to recognize it in others as well right and and that's that's truly how the system changes it it it, it changes with each and every one of us so being being in discussions um with each other is how we do this not being lecture two but being in conversation with um and and making mistakes and and feeling awkward and 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 being and being being patient with people as they as they as they struggle through the the awakening and the awareness and the and the and the discomfort um and and I've, I've, I've been, I, I, I gotta say the seeing, seeing how folks have, have, have grown over the months is the thing that is a nice balance of hope to counter the often like despair. Sometimes I might feel like, like we're never gonna, this is never gonna change, but, but it, but it brings me hope every couple of weeks that we do these and, you know, there's, there's a dozen plus people in the, in the group and, 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 and people are sharing their awarenesses and putting their feet in their mouths and, and, yes. and, and, yeah. and sharing wisdom and, and stories. And, and it's, it's, it's powerful work. And, and I think that's, that's, so that's, that's like, that's like this, like to use, use, use a church analogy. It's like you come to church on Sunday and you, and you, you hear the sermon or you hear the you hear the talk or whatever, but then do you go home during the week and 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 do the spiritual practicing? So it's like it's like these DI workshops and stuff are like are like the Sunday service, right? Mm-hmm. You, the, the, they're 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 random. They're not, not random, but they're they're not an everyday experience. But it's but you show up to church every Sunday, but you don't Monday through Saturday you not home meditating or praying or whatever spiritual practice you want to engage in if you're not doing that stuff there is not going to be any transformation just showing up on Sundays not gonna do it right yep so um it's the uh um I I and you know I can tell uh you know people around me that that work at particular places that that I know of you know have been committed to DEI initiatives and and employee trainings and stuff. And yet when I'm with some of them and, you know, we're at dinner or in a meeting or whatever, you know, we're just in a social setting, the degree of discomfort of talking about racism or, you know, if I, if I were to call something, you know, hear something or see something and, and, you know, call it into the space. The, the they're so uncomfortable, and and making a race toward a race, making a, you beeline. know, be a line, yes, to um to change the subject or to get comfortable is very telling. It tells me that culture hasn't shifted, and right. and yet they'll be the first ones to tell me it has, and I'm like, I don't think so because. I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing outside the diversity things, but mm-hmm. I'm not. And and it, I don't want to just 
blanket assume it doesn't exist, but I'm not seeing. Um, I'm just yes. Thinking. And and to be clear, the, these things do take time. Yes. And they go as fast as the individual does the does the inner transformative um, work. So, yeah. Well, uh, well, one of the things I did in prepping for today was uh, I went and looked at because because part of this conversation too is. Um, while we're talking about slightly more savvy racism, we you can't not talk about intersectionality. Mm. You can't because that's part of the, the the conversation. You know, not just racism, but sexism, classism, ableism, ages, you know, the isms, right? Right. Because there there's all these pieces of this is the other clue of how you know, you know, is is there really inclusion going on in culture changes? Because the focus of this work is is identity. And we in spiritual communities, um, just, you know, just in our last night in our book group, right? How many people are, don't put me in a box. Don't put me in a box. You can't put me in a box, you know, to know you said social location. So there's, there are these groups that make up our identity that, of course, we, we might hold them a little bit loosely. But, and while race is a social construct, not a real thing, it does inform our identity. And, yeah. and that's what this work is uh if we're not engaging and and being with each other and really opening and being honest and authentic and vulnerable about these elements of our personal identity and our social identity we're not gonna it just stays very savvy and we're just white progressives doing more harm um and I which is why i went down that road. i don't know but but <laughs> but oh, now but I Okay, well, say it quick before we forget again. No, no, go ahead, go. I got no, it. no. <laughs> well, one of the things I did in prepping for the show today was I went to a couple organizations and I pulled up the listings for their jobs. And uh-huh. and there's a, a place you can go that if you place the job description, it tells you it, its uh, orientation of um, uh, masculine and feminine. Right. So it based on the words it uses, because there are and this is in advertising and job descriptions, you know, there are words that lean masculine and words that lean feminine. Um, Mm -hmm. And neither one is like, you know, it's not neither one in and of itself is anything wrong with it. But when you run it through the, the filter, you can see something that's very overly masculine or very overly feminine, which may be the point although I don't know how true that is. So it was just interesting. Someone may have intentionally written a job description and posted it, you know, the, the ad for the job and wanted it to be very, you know, feminine oriented uh, or very masculine oriented, but I'm, I'm not sure about that, but it was just interesting to see the outcomes and how many were very masculine oriented. And I doubt seriously that they realize that. Probably not. Probably not. Because again, patriarchal society. So masculine oriented means normal. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Right. This is a normal job posting. Um, So yeah. Um, um, The thing I was going to mention that I was going to say after you said the thing that you remembered. Now I've forgotten the thing I was going to say. We (laughs) should really really write things. Should really write things down. (laughs) I was like, no, no, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, i should have listened i when will i learn listen to the powerful women <laughs> listen to the powerful women in my life when when will I'm, I'm slowly learning um slowly learning uh so so um i do want to invite folks um yes even, now now comes a shameless plug part i do want to invite folks to our affinity groups we hold these every first and third wednesday of the month on the first Wednesday of the month, uh, this on Zoom. First Wednesday of the month, seven thirty p.m. on Zoom. Um, white bodies and people of color. We're all in in discussion together. Sometimes it's an, it's just an open ended. What's on your hearts and minds now? Sometimes we actually have specific activities and prompts uh, to engage the conversation. And then on the third Wednesday of the month, we divide the groups. Um, Kelly takes all the white bodies. I take all the people of color to separate Zoom rooms because we what we know is that sometimes we 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 each need um, 
for lack of a better term, a, a safer space where we're not either feeling judged or feeling like we might offend, where we're we're not stuck in our fragility or our urge to not be uncomfortable or less so. Um, and again, sometimes it's open-ended discussion, sometimes it's specific prompts um, and activities uh, to do. So we want to encourage you into doing that and also uh, mark your calendar starting in April uh thursday i believe it's thursday april 1st is um at is it the first no april 7th april 7th april 7th sorry thursday april 7th i can read a calendar thursday april 7th at 10 a.m and we're saying it out loud now so we're actually going to do it uh thursday april uh 7th 10 a.m we're going to um Again, on Zoom, we're going to start doing, and we'll we'll live stream uh, part of it on Facebook as well. We're going to start doing uh, mindfulness practices that are specifically geared to to identify, uncover those unconscious and internalized uh, biases that we have, whether they're on white supremacy, patriarchy, uh, um, um, uh, heteronormativeness, uh, ableism, ageism, whatever they are. There, I mean, they're all interconnected interrelated they all sitting in the big bowl of white supremacy cultural norms but um to to, to do that the a lot of these practices uh, come out of the uh, inner work of racial justice some of them are coming out uh, uh even way back in my grandmother's hand stuff like that uh we are so we want to want you to join us for those um and if you can't join us live you know like I said, we'll be streaming them on Facebook and they'll be recorded there. But we want you to engage in these practices because, again, this is inner work. This is spiritual work. This is mindfulness work um, for us to shift ourselves. There's, there's, there is not enough we can do outside of ourselves policy-wise um, that's going to make the whole difference, right? It, it requires internal shift in as well it's not the either or it's the both end and if we do all the internal shift in the world but don't change the external policies it's the same harm being perpetuated on a systemic level so we got to do the both end so uh mark your calendars for those and um as always you can always also drop in on our book groups on monday nights head over to projectsanctus.com to find all that information and again stay tuned for when we shift to the new platform uh because Uni Online Radio will be shuttering operations in a few weeks. Um, We're not going anywhere, though. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. So I think that's it for today. Another great episode in the box. (laughs) 